Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson. Michael Brunt's here on a short week, a holiday week. We are striving to bring you the best Nebraska content we can, so that way when you're looking to avoid your family members, which is the number one holiday pastime, you can do it with us at Husker 24-7. Gentlemen, what is your favorite thing about Thanksgiving? Go ahead, Brunt's. I have to think about that. Stuffing, the best. No, oh, brother. <laughs> you're, a big, you're a big stuffing guy, huh? Yeah, big fan of the stuffing. BC or not, you're out on the stuffing? I, I thought you were uh, being sarcastic. That's true. You actually love the stuffing? I, I love the stuffing. Mm-hmm. I, can, I could leave the stuffing. I got to be honest. But yeah, uh, Trader Joe's has the stuffing. Trader Joe's sells stuffing-flavored potato chips now, if you're interested. Mm. That seems noteworthy, but unnecessary. I I was shopping there the other day, and the guy who was bagging my groceries offered me a stuffing-flavored chip, and I almost declined it. I'm glad that I didn't. Hmm. Did you buy a bag? No, I I just uh, one chip was probably enough because it was a, it was aggressive stuffing flavor, but uh, it, it was it was it, it was a nice change up. Did you put it in the cart, drive the cart around the store for a little while, and then ditch the cart? <laughs> no, I did not do my usual thing. Um, but I could see where if you were in a certain state, um, some some stuffing chips would be pretty good. <laughs> Did we visit that state this year? No, we didn't. Um, okay. Well, we—I guess we did, but um, yeah, right. you'd want some stuffing chips. Brian, what about you? Uh, I'm thankful that the uh, this is what that wasn't actually the request, was it? To say what no. I'm thankful for. I thought it was like a family thing where my mom asked me what I'm thankful for, and yeah. I have to come up with something really cheesy. Look, if you if you want to do that, you can. I just I'm, ask what your favorite thing about Thanksgiving is. I'm thankful for the mics, Mike Mike <laughs> Bronson, Mike Schaefer. Um, I'm thankful the Vikings aren't playing on Thanksgiving, so I don't get dis- like that's the worst because you want to just kind of you know be laid back and I'm all not interested in anything my family's saying when the Vikings are on. So that's good that they're not playing. Um, I like mashed potatoes with a getting the right amount of butter mixed into your mashed potatoes with the gravy on top. That's, that's my favorite thing. I, uh, have you guys seen the movie Nebraska, the yes. Alexander Payne movie? Yes. So my, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving growing up is I always sort of enjoyed it. And I love the way that the movie portrayed this and I don't think it was Thanksgiving necessarily, but in that movie, but my family, when we would get together, there, there was too many people. There wasn't like one table everybody could sit at. And so the men would just go into the living room and watch the football game and not talk to each other. And I feel like the movie portrayed that very accurately. Like, that's what my, my family experienced for, like, an hour stretch. would be sitting there silently watching the Detroit Lions likely losing to whoever they're playing before we would, you know, amble outside and then play a football game of our own. I always, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great Thanksgiving memory to me, and I thought the movie always uh portrayed that very well so I, I don't know if it was like that for your families but we were very much to sit silently and watch football and don't talk about anything type they also uh in that scene they talk about making good time 
like uh, on their travel, <laughs> which is yeah. also a very uh, Midwestern Nebraska tradition. If you come from a distance of more than 60 miles, it's, it's you're, if you made good time or not, is analyzed by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. That is, a, that is a very good point. As far as it relates to food, I, I mean, I like Thanksgiving food. I'm not the biggest turkey guy, but I feel like the sides of Thanksgiving are always terrific. I like pretty much all of them. Uh, and as a as one of the few people who admits to liking pumpkin pie, I'm always okay with the the food at this holiday, specifically with the dessert. So I'm good with that. But all right, let's let's move off of Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for. Though neither Brunts or I said anything. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that uh, we can talk about Nebraska in a more positive light for once on this podcast. BC in DC this weekend. Brian, what what do you make of the way Nebraska played in a fifty four to seven lame, ba- you know, just a, a very nice win against Maryland out there in the DC area? Well, everybody starts off by saying Maryland stinks, which is true. I mean, they, the the touchdown Spielman had, where two Maryland DBs just like made a clown show out of it, summed up the Terrapins. That said. Uh, you know, credit where it's due. Nebraska went out and systematically took them apart, and they did it on in every phase of the game, really. They even had a plan on special teams uh, to, to avoid the big return game of Maryland, and it ended up getting them a fumble at one point in the first quarter. Um, I, I thought the defense was kind of the standout because I sort of expected Nebraska's offense to roll through Maryland because everybody has. I didn't know about the... Eric Chenander's group, but I mean, I think Maryland ended up with what, 205 yards and it felt like 55 of them or something came on that last run on the touchdown against the backup. So that's a really good day. I love that the D line was able to get home without having to bring exotic pressures or anything like that. They were just winning one-on-one matchups. And uh, I think Schaefer said last week, Khalil Davis was probably going to have a day, and he did. And uh, suddenly you look up and he has eight sacks, so good for him. He's a senior. He's having a really good year. Good for me, too. I agree. Thanks, Brian. I didn't say that. Well, I just added it. Okay. Brunts, what uh, what stood out to you watching that game on TV? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for a Nebraska team this year that seems like it hasn't gotten one break, they got like a season's worth in that game. Um, You had the Spielman tip, which you already mentioned. Uh, You know, you you get the fumble on the the first defensive possession that pops right into the hands of Markel Dismuke. Lamar Jackson causes a fumble. Um, You know, just just kind of one thing after another. You, You also... You you got a number of freshmen in there. Luke McCaffrey uh, does a little a light Eric Crouch with the the quarterback and and the the catch. Uh, you also had uh, Ramir Johnson, uh, much to the delight of several members of our message board, getting in the game. So it, it was just you know one of those games where it, it had been a long time uh, since Nebraska had had one of those in conference. I mean even going back to when Nebraska played Rutgers uh, in, in 2015, when they played uh, Maryland at home the first time around, I mean, you, you just didn't have a, a total dominating beatdown like that in quite some time, and it was it was weird. Um, <laughs> that, that that was kind of my takeaway. Was it was like, wow, that this is this is really happening. Brunt's takeaway to be summed up: it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So, I. 
I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys said. One of the things that I like seeing in that game is that, and I, I was pretty confident. I mean, I know going into that podcast last week, I was fairly confident that Nebraska was going to be able to, to put up points in that game. And I felt like they were going to be able to pull away from Maryland. And I like, I like that they went into it and they beat up a team that they should have been able to beat up the strength of, of Nebraska's defense at times, their defensive line was able to take care of business against Maryland's bad offensive line. I like that they put the game away when they had the opportunity to do that. I like that they were able to flood the bench. I mean, you guys mentioned all of these things, and it's hard not to to see Nebraska being able to puff their chest out a little bit in this week. And even if it feels a little bit like fool's gold because, yeah, it was Maryland, I think that's necessary sometimes when you're a football team. When you've been kind of where Nebraska's at this year, where – things haven't gone your way where you've gotten in your own way where you've made it difficult on yourself or when you've been beat up a little bit. Sometimes it's nice to have a game like that to remind you, yeah, there's some talent on this football team. Yeah, we can believe in these guys. And I think that they gave Iowa's coaching staff and Iowa's players certainly something to think about as they go into this game. And and not that Iowa wasn't already going to be concerned. We saw last year a four-win Nebraska team going over to Iowa City you know, falling behind early, but able to rally back because of the strength of what Adrian Martinez can bring in this game. Let me, I, I asked BC this earlier today when we had a chance to discuss, Brunson, we'll, we'll start with you on this. And Brian, if you have a different version of your earlier answer, feel free to chime in as well. What would you tell a Nebraska fan that's looking for a reason to have some confidence that the Huskers can win this game, even though Iowa is a favorite, Iowa is a ranked team. However, this game does feel closer to, you know, Nebraska has an opportunity to win here than maybe would have spent the last two, three years when these two teams have gotten together on Black Friday. Well, I, I think I think that Nebraska, you know, even though that w- you could call that win over Maryland fools, fool's gold a little bit because, I mean, Maryland is a, a very bad team, even though they were ranked in week three uh, more recently than Nebraska was. Um, I think... The, when that game happened, the way that it transpired, the way that the defense played, it, it just feels like Nebraska is going into this game a little bit more confident than they have in the past. And, and, and there's a lot less of that kind of like Mark Banker, bloodbath, Iowa talk. I mean, it, it was a little bit more focused on Nebraska seeming to peak a little bit at the right time here late, but... I think that that confidence will carry over a little bit from that Maryland game. I, I also think, too, that the fact that Nebraska hasn't played, or really until that Maryland game, played a complete game and, and a complete, uh, you know, all three phases of the game at the same time, I, I just think that that's one reason why, kind of that intangible thing um, that, you know, why Nebraska stands a chance. The other thing is, I, I think Nebraska's seen um f- from Minnesota kind of the the recipe that Iowa's used in the past to gash them in the running game this Iowa running attack uh, is 101st in, in the country I think uh, is what they were coming into this week they're really you know pretty far down there uh so I I think Nebraska if they can play well defensively they can just be sound and solid I think that they're going to be right in this game so uh, that that's why I think this year, maybe more than others, I feel a little bit more confident in Nebraska being able to perhaps surprise Iowa and, and actually get past them in this game and get to a bowl. Yeah, I know. 
I don't Go think ahead. this is a I don't think this is a hope and a prayer game at all. I think it's pretty much a toss-up because Nebraska, yes, they moved it on Maryland. They also moved the ball in Wisconsin. So this is an offense that has some confidence right now, and they moved it on Wisconsin without Wandale Robinson. Uh, We don't know if he'll, you know, he might be out again, but at least they've done it without him and know they can do it, and they've got some clever things that can make it happen. We know that Dedrick Mills is starting to come into his own. I think it's going to have to be a – a heavy game for him. Obviously, Ramirez not available because he's played in his four, so it's got to be a lot on Diedrich. Um, Brunts brought up Iowa's rushing ranking. They're 101st in the country. I think it's as simple as can Nebraska's defense kind of meet in the middle between – they tend to make these teams like Iowa look like a top five rushing team in the country, even though they're 100. They need to meet somewhere in the middle. They don't have to make them necessarily look like a, the 100th ranked rushing team, but if they can have them hold them down where it's a day where Iowa looks like the 55th or 60th best rushing team, I think Nebraska will be in it right to the end. It's just a mad. The linebackers are going to have to play really well. That's what it comes down to me. I think the D-line will hold up okay, but it's those guys on the second and third level that have been a bit of an issue in these games, and and they've got to they've got to figure it out. And as, as Bruns mentioned, the Minnesota tape could help as sort of a test that you've failed, but at least you have that to look back on. And okay, why did we fail that? And, and and try to use that to be better. One thing that stands out to me about these two teams, they have sort of the same issue on offense. The difference is Iowa has a great field goal kicker, a Lou Groza type guy. Nebraska does not. Iowa struggles to put away touchdowns. They probably should have beaten Wisconsin. They probably should have beaten Michigan. Lost both of those games because they couldn't finish drives with touchdowns. That's going to be a big thing for Nebraska. If they can force Iowa to kick field goals when they get inside the red zone uh, or when they're inside Nebraska's 30, that's going to be a win for Nebraska. Conversely, they have to finish their own drives with points, with touchdowns. That's going to be a key part of this matchup. We'll get more into Iowa and Nebraska with uh, the hype cast. Last thing I want to bring up here before we flip it over uh, to recruiting and basketball, something or nothing that Nebraska chose to get Luke McCaffrey on the field as a wide receiver on Saturday against Maryland, even when they weren't necessarily putting guys like Darian Chase and Jamie Nance, who made the trip to Maryland on the field in the same spot, Luke McCaffrey came up with a big third down catch uh, that allowed Nebraska to extend a drive. He also had the pass to J.D. Spillman. Does that matter to you, and do you anticipate we could see him in that role again this season? I think for this game, and it's kind of a broken record against you know teams in the Big Ten that have really solid defenses like Iowa and Wisconsin do, it doesn't strike me as a game where Nebraska is going to be able to grind out drives and you're going to need chunk plays uh, to, to make this game work for you. And I think that McCaffrey gives them a, a really strong chance to do that, whether it's as a wide receiver or a reverse pass or some other look that they can give Iowa that maybe they haven't seen. I think you have to use every weapon at your disposal. And I I think it makes sense uh, that he would be in there in in some form or fashion against Iowa. Um, You know, obviously long-term he's going to be a quarterback, but you know, with, with with kind of, I know out with Wandell Robinson's status in uh, unknown um, with the fact that Nebraska doesn't really play, uh, some of their younger wide receivers uh, in, in key moments, I think you're, you're going to see him uh, in there. And, and if even if it's not a play to him, I just think the fact that he's in the game 
signals to Iowa, like, hey, you know, it's it's a it's kind of like the shiny object that you're trying to get somebody's attention with while you're doing something else. Yeah, I think he definitely has to play, and I would use him similar to how they did against Maryland. Um, I mean, it'll be his fourth game, uh, so he won't be eligible if they win uh, to play in a bowl game. But uh, that's okay. The, the practices are what matter at this point. You got to get there first. And I, I mean, honestly, as depleted as they are with some injuries, I think he's one of their top five skill guys they can put on the field right now just because of his speed and all that. Um, I think he's a kid who's not scared or doesn't have normal true freshman jitters. And I'm sure some of that's just his background of growing up around just great talent and a family that's like his family. I think that probably helps him uh, get out there immediately and not worry about stuff as much. So I think he's kind of built for games like these and in these kind of moments. I think that whole family is. And uh, obviously, uh, McCaffrey's have caused Iowa problems before. So you might as well uh, see see if you can get that magic potion going again. <laughs> wow. Look at you sneaking that in there. Almost as if Luke McCaffrey's going to take off on his own 80-yard run. On, on the first play. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is enough about Nebraska and Iowa. Of course, we'll have more in the Hypecast edition uh, that you will hear later in the week before those two teams get together. We are going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit recruiting and a little bit of basketball as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back, and let's talk a little recruiting here. Nebraska has not picked up a commitment in the 2020 class since... Marquise Black in October. The drought now stretches more than a month. The Huskers have less than a month before signing day. Something has to give. Nebraska's drought will go against Nebraska's need to get commitments. I think the Huskers are going to start landing a few people here. I put in a crystal ball earlier this week for Jamoy Hodge. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a thing that goes well for Nebraska here sometime over the Thanksgiving holidays or even into early December. I like where the Huskers are at for the junior college linebacker from Independence. Other guys right now to, to keep an eye on, um, you have the two official visitors slated for the weekend, Jamoy Hodge, or excuse me, not Jamoy Hodge, Julius Coates, a defensive end junior college guy out of uh, East Mississippi Community College by way of Illinois, and then you have Josh Griffiths, the Florida outside linebacker defensive end type committed to Florida State. I think the Huskers could have a good opportunity with both of them. I think they're in a better shape with somebody like Julius Coates, who I think because he would be very interested in playing 
in a Big Ten school, giving his family an opportunity to see him. The Huskers stand a pretty good shot there, even though the crystal ball currently reads Oregon for Julius Coates. And then, of course, you have somebody like Josh Griffiths, who doesn't know who the coach is going to be at Florida State, going to give himself some options. I have a tougher time seeing him pick Nebraska. Florida boys committed to Florida and then ultimately Florida State. I think he's going to stick with the Seminoles almost regardless of who the coach is that ends up there. But if Nebraska is able to get him up for the visit, I think that could be good. Guys, I had the opportunity to go through um, what Nebraska has done in this game in recent years. 2017, given the current situation or the situation going on at that time, didn't have any official visitors. In 2015, they had six guys in for this game. Uh, notable people, Ben Stilley, J.D. Spielman, Caleb Lightborn, uh, also had Maurice Chandler, Brandon Drayton, and offensive lineman Nathan Smith, three guys that they didn't get there. In 20... <laughs> you, remember how, you remember how cold Nathan Smith was in that game? Yeah, he didn't look like a guy that was going to leave uh, Vista Marietta, Marietta to come out to Nebraska to play offensive line. Uh, Brandon Drayton was committed to Nebraska for a few days, I think, before he decommitted. He had jumped from Indiana to Nebraska and then ended up at Marshall. And then uh, Maurice Chandler was actually a player for Ryan Held, I believe, at that time, who was at Northeast Oklahoma A&M before he ended up joining Scott Frost's staff over at Central Florida. Maurice Chandler went to Arizona State. uh, So they missed out on those guys. Then 2013, they had a number of their commitments. Peyton Newell, Tanner Farmer, uh, guys of that nature were there. They had Terrell Klinkscales visited, Darius Slade visited. <laughs> yeah, some names for you there. Wow. 20, 2013, also the game, Nebraska gets blown out at home. Uh, Bo Pelini swings his hat, says, fire him if you want to fire him, and then gets retained the next day. So it's kind of weird visit weekends regardless, um, and not necessarily ones where Nebraska is able to bring in a lot of guys that weren't already committed. So weird travel time with, with Thanksgiving. You're trying to bring guys up. Flights are expensive, which isn't a big deal because the university is footing the bill. But right now when you have the weather that it's expected this weekend, hard to get visitors in. So I'm not anticipating a big visit weekend for Nebraska either way. Um, and even if they do get a few guys in, it will be interesting how that all plays out and if, if the weather potentially causes some cancellation. Uh, but I will – you know I. I will certainly keep monitoring monitoring what they have going on with official visits. We'll see what they end up with, but it's getting close here. I mean, what, what should be the level of concern for fans that Nebraska is just sitting at 13 commitments right now in a class where they're going to take up to 26. I think they'll take 23 guys between now and February, 20 probably that they want to sign. They still got a lot of work to do. What, what, what's the level of concern you guys have? Well, I, I think one concern this year, you know, compared to years past, is that you, you only have the two visit weekends um, after the end of the season between end of the season and, and uh, signing day. So, I mean, you, you're going to have to hustle a little bit there. Uh, we'll see once the, the 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 coaching carousel really starts to spin in a week, kind of how things shake free. But I mean, it, it is a little precarious when you're going. You're you're going into this this kind of crunch time, and you, you need to add you know seven guys between now and uh, the middle of December. So I, I I think there's guys that are close for Nebraska. I think some guys are going to be deciding uh, closer to signing day. So 
it feels like one of those years where you're going to see a little bit of a flurry. It's just going to be a a little bit uh, closer to crunch time than than maybe what a a lot of people are comfortable with. Is that fair? Yeah, it feels like more of a jam than I expected it would be. Uh, That said, I think if they could pick up one, which Schaefer mentioned here, maybe this week, and then that first Saturday in December, if you could have one of those like Sundays where you get, you know, three guys or something, which we've seen around here before. And um, maybe we're a little too used to covering Nebraska, especially during the Polini era. It was always like these these late weekends where it all had to happen. And sometimes it did go really well. But if they could have that first December Saturday be one where you get multiple guys and suddenly you're sitting at like six, 17 or so, um, then you feel pretty good. So, uh, but yeah, I, it would be, a. I think people would sleep a little easier if they maybe had a couple more right now, but maybe that number gets pushed up here in a very short period of time. Well, uh, brunch, you have any thoughts on basketball? A currently a three game winning streak for the Huskers after winning in the grand Cayman classic or whatever the hell that's called down there in grand Cayman. Uh, and Nebraska plays again. This week, I don't know when people will be listening to this podcast, but three games winning streak by as, as of recording it. What have you seen from the Huskers of late? Well, I, I think, you know, what they showed against Washington State, um, you know, they, they played really well in that second half. You shot 64% from the field in the second half. Hanif Cheatham, Gervais Green, both uh, in double digits in the second half. And, you know, at, at times you've seen – that Nebraska has been able to use its defense to create offense, get out and run, and, and that's what you saw uh, against Washington State. Um, you know, Nebraska, this last two games, uh, Washington State, uh, and then the game before they left Lincoln uh, against Southern, they're shooting over 50% from three-point range. Um, so, you know, if they can get the, the free-throw shooting in line, you know, this is a pretty tough offensive team. Um, you know, the fact that they're scoring or averaging in the high 80s, despite the fact that they're barely shooting 50% from the free throw line, that bodes well. Um, you know, we'll see what they do against George Mason tonight. He's got three pretty good guards. Uh, we'll try to pressure Nebraska, but um, this is a little bit of a different setup. You know, Nebraska's played basically a game a week um, to, to start the year, and, and now you're playing three games in three days. So, you know, when you're playing well, you're, you're shooting well from the field, I think it's probably a good thing uh, to, to get on the court as quickly as you can. But w- w- what are you guys kind of seeing from this team uh, over the last three, um, you know, not necessarily the Washington State game, but this little streak that they're on that was maybe different from those first two games? Yeah, I, I think they've got some of those early jitters out of the way. You look at a guy like Kevin Cross, I mean, after that one-for-ten performance on opening night, uh, which everybody kind of wrote him off. I mean, he kind of proved to be the shooter that Fred Hoiberg said he's been in practice. I think that's good. I think that, you know, three-point shooting can travel. I wouldn't be surprised if they have a nice run here in this tournament because it seems like one of those things that they can get on a roll shooting the ball. They're going to be able to continue to do it well. And uh, I I look for them to to kind of be one of those schizophrenic teams where on nights where they shoot well, they're going to be able to to put up a bunch of points. One of the things you'd like to see is better free throw shooting for them. They did it in the second half against that Washington State game that allowed them to pull away uh, from the Cougars. But I, it, from night to night, I don't think you're going to know if this is a team that's going to be able to shoot even 50% from the free throw line, which is crazy because 
they do have the ability to hit the three, but it, it will be interesting if they can get better at, at the line. I think it's just about right now, sort of like it was with the football team and, and going to Maryland. You get a team where you can beat, find a way to win, experience winning, and hopefully build off of that. And, you know, the Southern game was an example. Uh, Schaefer and I were sitting in a, a restaurant in Washington, D.C. area and watching it go into overtime. And, you know, that's not the most appealing result uh, when you see you're, you're going an extra five minutes with a team like that. But they won. They found a way. It uh, looked like they had a little swagger about it, even with the uh, oh, and one play from. <laughs> you'll have to explain that one with Cam Mack, who, who definitely has some confidence in his game. Uh, but, you know, they, they got the win. And if you had said when they're 0 and 2, they're going to be 3 and 2 right now, uh, I don't know if I would have even taken that bet with this team. So, you know, even with that schedule that it is, good for them for at least getting to that point. They, the other thing that they. They got out-rebounded by Washington State, but it was only by three. Uh, part of that was Nebraska made a lot of shots in the second half, which helps, but uh, they really battled on the boards, uh, which they needed to do after really kind of getting owned by Southern uh, in that matchup. And, um, you know, it, it's the thing you have to remember, it's still a team with, you know, 11 new scholarship guys. You, you're trying to make things work, and they're only five games into this thing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be picking them to win the big 10 by any means, but I think this is a group that, you know, w- when they get to February, I, I expect that they're going to be playing much better basketball, uh, later in the year than they are at the start of the year, which it doesn't seem like much, but th- that's growth for, for a new program. And, uh, especially with one with that many moving parts, one guy that I, I think deserves a little bit of, uh, props uh, Thor um, is really playing good basketball right now, doing a lot of stuff off the bench for Nebraska in terms of just uh, you know making winning plays. Uh, I, I think he was plus 18 in that Southern game. Uh, you know, just little things like that when he's on the floor uh, are, are really important for this team. So he's a guy, you know, if you're not just looking at the box score, kind of watch what he does during a game because he's, he's, uh, he's really stepped up his game pretty nicely this year, I think. All right. There, well, oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask if there was a guy on the with on the court with a microphone when Cam Mack broke that guy's ankles, yelling, "That's my godson." <laughs> I, I I appreciated uh, appreciated uh, Fred Hoiberg's response. Uh, he was asked <laughs> after the game if he saw it, and he kind of gave this like dry answer, like, "No, I didn't see it. I'll have to go back and watch it." But the, he, he kind of gave this little <laughs> wry smile. I don't I don't know how he could have not seen it. Um, but it's a, a little swagger is a welcome thing at Pinnacle, Pinnacle Bank Arena, I think. Did you guys used to watch the N1 tour? I actually did a story. I went down to Kansas City and wrote a story and interviewed the professor about the N1 tour once. It was one of the great honors of my career. I, Hot Sauce was not there, if people remember the N1 tour. but it, Was it up there with, uh, was it Tommy Lasorda you interviewed about Captain Kangaroo dying? <laughs> yes <laughs> i did tommy was sort of gave a really heartfelt answer to you about the captain so i i always will appreciate tommy for that yeah i mean i didn't uh i didn't really watch much of the and one but i did play a bunch of nba street where there was a lot of points given out for breaking ankles and combos so okay, i certainly same. uh imagine that that's very similar 
That is. I interviewed the professor and a guy who was named Half Man, Half Amazing. That's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> did you refer to him by that during the interview? Or, or, or did hey. you, was his name like Todd? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'll have to go back and find that story because I wrote like a 55 inch story. Like I, I wrote it like I was Gary Smith breaking down, you know, uh, who knows what something great that Gary Smith wrote. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what his name was. The professor was shorter than me. Uh, just a little white guy who's like five, seven and skinny. And my little brother was uh, on the trip and he had, they had signs that said, that's whack that they handed out. And my brother had a sign that the professor autographed for him. The that's whack sign. It, what's the I professor mean, doing nowadays? <laughs> besides <laughs> lectures? Uh, Just, is he yeah. emeritus? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's on tenure now at this point. <laughs> nice. All right, that's all yeah. I got. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's close this thing out. Be sure to check out Husker twenty four seven this week. Even though it is a holiday week, we can definitely give you a reprieve from your family on the message board with the great coverage that we'll have for you. We'll certainly be previewing the Iowa Nebraska game. We'll have previews for the visitors. We'll have plenty of stuff after the game, and who knows, we might even be discussing and predicting where Nebraska is playing in a bowl game this season, something unheard of if you were watching this team when they lost to Indiana and Purdue in back-to-back weeks. So we'll see what happens with Nebraska football, and we'll have all of the coverage for you on Husker 24-7. Be sure to listen to the Hypecast. That'll come out later this week as well.